In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host, Jack. Jack, how are you, mate? I'm good. Good. Looking forward to this one. Excellent. And we've got an international guest with us today, all the way over Denver, I think. Is that correct? Yep, Denver. We've got Brown's babe, Nicole. How are you, Nicole? I'm good. How are you guys? Very, very good. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. So tell us. You're not in Cleveland at the moment. You're in Denver. Why are you a Browns fan? So I'm not in Cleveland at the moment, but I was born in Akron, Ohio, so pretty close to Cleveland. Um, My parents are divorced and both remarried, and both of my dads are insane Browns fans. Um, One is from the west side, um, and the other one is from Eastlake, so different sides of town. Uh, but both stalwart Browns fans. And so uh, it was pretty much a given from birth that as an only child and a girl and my father's only son, (laughs) that I was going to be a Browns fan. So some of my earliest memories are sitting on their laps during Browns games while they and my grandfathers uh, screamed at the TV. Or even a couple times I got to – go to some games because my stepdad and his parents had seasons tickets for years until the Browns left. I have a six-year-old daughter and she's got zero interest in NFL, let alone the Browns. So, I mean, you know, I think it was that they always had the good snacks in front of the TV where the game was. That's top tip. Yeah. So if you're trying to like that and my dad and I would go outside in the backyard and play catch a lot. Um, and he would let me tackle him, which I thought was super fun. And then I just wanted to tackle everyone for a while, which led to some interesting moments in kindergarten, but that's another story. (laughs) All right, great. And, um, which person in the Browns organization would you most want to go for a drink with? Yeah. So that one is tough. I think that if it was a player, it would be Miles Garrett. I just find him fascinating. He's like a renaissance man between the ex- like amazing football talent and the dinosaurs and the poetry and the music taste. I just like I could probably listen to him talk. I feel like there's so much more we haven't uncovered too that it would just be fascinating. Um, as far as organizationally, um, I have some very pointed questions that I would like to ask Jimmy Haslam. And so I think that he would be the first person on my list from an organizational standpoint. Have you ever met Jimmy? I have not. I actually have a friend and former colleague that grew up with his kids. Um, and so for a couple of years, I was like, hey, so, and he was like, yeah, no, that's never happening. But, <laughs> um, but if it could, that would be great. See, in London, him and Dee came over and they were pulling us pints in the uh, local pub. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm super impressed with D and I think they seem like, you know, solid people. There's been, you know, what they've done for the fan experience and the facilities and, and, and things like that, I think have been exceptional. Um, but there have been some other choices that have been um, more questionable that I would like to discuss. And just one of them questions, what would the, the top of the, the, your first question be? I think my first question would be, like, I really want to know the truth about what went down the day we didn't give up a second and third for AJ McCarron. Like, I want to know how that for real played out. Now, we've basically offered us a pod. If Sashi ever heard us, we will fly to wherever it is in the world and do that interview because we would love to get that. It'd be the most interesting world exclusive we could offer as Browns fans. For sure. I totally agree. If Sashi's a bit low on money, all he has to do is bring a book out. It'd be a bestseller. Yeah. I agree with that too. <laughs> and um, finally, what body part are you willing to give up for the Browns to win the Super Bowl? Yeah. So I would probably spend like a lot of money to get to the Super Bowl if we ever made it. But I don't know if I'm giving up body parts. Like, it's just a game. Um, I try to keep that in perspective. But if you're going to force me, um, I've never had my tonsils out. So you can take those. Okay, that's safe. But what, what things are you really willing to give up? You know, your, your husband, your, both your dads desperately want to win. Left foot. Come on, I don't put words in their mouth. <laughs> we want something big. Your whole family of Browns fans, come on. You could do it for them. I mean, if we're talking about a guaranteed win, guaranteed. my left hand is pretty useless. I'm pretty right dominant, so. Thank you, thank you, Nicole. Sorry for putting you under so much pressure. <laughs> Somebody probably have to chase me down for that, though. <laughs> we're basically making a list of all our guests. <laughs> And then sign them up to uh, third-party doctors to remove all these parts and donate them to Africa. That's the plan. Hugh Jackson Charity. Hugh Jackson Charity gone wrong. So, moving swiftly on. What was you, where were you watching the Steelers game? Um, actually, I was um, in several locations... I was actually uh, in New Jersey for a friend's wedding. Um, and so I had Sunday ticket up on my iPad and um, I started off in the hotel bar, um, but then ha we got our room actually really late. Like we couldn't check in right away. And so I had to get ready for the wedding. So then I was like moving the iPad around the hotel room with me, like while I was getting ready, like, in the bedroom while I got dressed and then in the bathroom while I did my makeup and I was also screaming a lot at the during the fourth quarter and overtime and my husband was really concerned that like other hotel guests were going to like call security and have them come to our room. Is your husband a Browns fan? He would say he's a Browns fan second um, but he is and oh man it's tough but he is primarily a Broncos fan. Okay. There's always chance to divorce him. It took a while for my dad to get over that one. Yeah, I can imagine. Did he, did he have to phone up both dads or just one of them? I'm sorry? 
when, when it came to the engagement, did he have to phone up both dads for approval? He did do that. There was a conversation about John Elway, I believe, during both of those phone calls. <laughs> Brilliant. And, wh and what's your views about the um, Saints uh, game ahead of us? I'm nervous. Um, I think I would have been nervous anyway because I think the Saints are solid contenders for the Super Bowl this year. Um, but after they lost uh, in such spectacular fashion this past week to – Fitzmagic and the Buccaneers, who I thought would probably be bottom five this year. Yeah. Um, I think they're probably looking at this as a rebound game, and that is concerning to me. Um, I also think uh, after the way a couple folks played and a couple things looked against the Steelers, I had more concerns. Um, very concerned to watch Harrison um, as he tries to deal with Cam Jordan and, and Alex Okafor. Um, real concerned about the run defense and what Alvin Kamara is going to be able to do. Um, yeah, I mean, I think those are, and then, I mean, obviously Drew Brees is Drew Brees. Um, I have him as my fantasy quarterback pretty much every year for a reason. Um, and so you always have to account for that. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty nervous. Yeah. I think in terms of defense, it's a really good test for our guys. They looked awesome. The other day, what terrifies me is the offense because whereas we kept the Steelers to a really low score, we're going to need to be able to sort of get four, maybe a fifth touchdown in this game. Whereas we didn't look capable of getting one until the defense ran it to the one yard line and then the offense was able to just run one yard. So um, it, it's going to be worrying. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree on that, too. I think I'm cautiously optimistic about improvements for the offense um, this Sunday. I think a lot, you know, nobody ever wants to blame weather. It seems like an excuse. It seems really easy, but it really was a monsoon. Um, and, and you talk about that affecting, I mean, it affects so many things. You talk about it affecting the ball in the air for Tyrod, the ball in Tyrod's hands. Uh, you talk about it affecting linemen getting footing for protections. You talk about it affecting wide receivers as they try to cut and run routes. I mean, I think if you talk about trying to tackle people when they're slippery and wet, I think that, you know, as much as it's just a fact of the game and you don't ever want to use it as an excuse, I am optimistic that playing in a dome, the offense will look a little better. It has yeah. to. Like, I think like, not just the weather, it was – Later on in the game, if they go into the, the Saints game the way they play sort of the fourth quarter of Tyrod staying in the pocket a bit longer, not looking to run but to throw that ball, I thought his improvement in sort of the first half was really bad. Whereas once the fourth quarter came along, he just waited there a little bit longer, read to more than sort of one or two reads and made a couple of throws. There was the interception, but he was going out and trying to win the game. And I think that's what you need to do more of. And hopefully they'll look at it from a perspective and give it a go next time. So I actually, I totally agree. But I think the one thing that people should at this point notice as a trend for Tyrod is they were playing from behind in the fourth quarter. And so they were running hurry up quite a bit in the fourth quarter. When you watched Tyrod excel in the preseason, they were also running that hurry up, no huddle offense. That is when Tyrod plays his best. I don't understand why 
we wait to use that when we're behind. I mean, obviously you can't run a hurry up every single series. Your offense would be gassed and probably so would your because they would be back on the field really fast all the time. But at the same time, he does really excel there. So why not run it, you know, a couple times at the beginning of the game to try to get the score up and then a couple other times throughout the game instead of just waiting until the fourth quarter when you're behind to run it. Okay, great. So um, one thing uh, I've noticed that you two may have a disagreement on the uh, two tight end strategy. Is that correct? Nicole? I, mean, I would say I've been fascinated listening to Jack uh, um, do his uh, cat uh, podcast. I think they've been really great so far. Um, but I, one of the things that has been funny to me is his suggestion that all teams would be better off <laughs> Um, just, you know, going out and getting a Gronk and a Kelsey and then not needing wide receivers. And I just want to know how every team does that because those are really special players. And I think that sounds pretty challenging. Yeah. So if you look at the um, just last year, the top eight paid wide receivers and the top eight paid tight ends, three of them top eight wide receivers made the playoffs. Five of the top eight tight ends made the playoffs. And in terms of yards per catch, every single one of the top eight wide receivers is equal or better than Landry was. So for me, yeah, it might be hard to get them. But if you're as a team going out there and lots of these uh, tight ends were drafted in the first, second, third, and some later, go out there and make the real push of it. I would love to have seen us grab Mike Gusecki um, in the second round, whether it's instead of Chubb or Corbett, I didn't really mind. He would have been the guy, just grab him. Because they're just athletic freaks. So I'm not saying every team can get them. And the thing is, if every team took the same sort of draft strategy as I've thrown out there in the catch shows, it wouldn't work because if everyone's doing the same thing, then suddenly you have to move. And, the Patriots have been the perfect example. They go one year of, it was all focused around two tight ends and then they changed um, when Hernandez killed someone and ended up in prison. But <laughs> that, that one small thing that happened. Yeah, it kind of got in the way um, of their plans. But it's, um, for me, if you can get similar production from a tight end being paid half the amount of a wide receiver, I'd much rather have the tight end because, especially if that player gets injured, that's hot, say, £10 million down the drain rather than £20 million, And it doesn't damage your roster as much. So, for me, I don't really want to pay a top wide receiver. I'd like to have one, but at the same time, if you're paying a wide receiver, let's say, £20 million, that's a lot of money off your other positions. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean from a cap perspective, it is, I think... a a fascinating kind of conundrum that you can find yourself in. I mean, if Josh Gordon plays the rest of this season, like he flashed in the end zone on Sunday, I'm paying him. I don't want him to go anywhere. Um, and, and you could even argue that Josh Gordon has more of a tight ends body than a wide receivers body. Anyway, he's actually kind of, you know, that elusive mix of I have a tight end's body, but wide receiver speed. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, one of the other, I think, pushbacks on this idea that you, you don't really need 
great wide receivers if you just have great tight ends is is that you know tight ends do you know they do you run into matchup problems for sure you know from a receiving situation but you know can they always get separation on routes and then once they catch the ball are they fast enough to get separation and really break away and i think even for some of the best most elite athletic tight ends you know they don't quite have that level of speed to to do that whereas you're looking at josh gordon and that's the full package right so you know i i get that if you if you can find a tight end that can do what gordon does and pay him less that that sounds lovely i'd say david Njoku could be that guy he set records in college for yards after the catch um there's not many of them i'm not saying they're they're easy to find but um oh david Njoku, if we can get him the catching needs to get better but if you can unlock what he was doing in college of i'd need to look but i think it was something insane like 17 yards after the catch stuff you just get the ball and just keep running and um oh, if you can unlock him and you, you can have josh gordon in there and the thing is where josh gordon's almost ruined his own career you're probably going to get him at a nice discount so um he might be one to sign up we've got one more year when we can keep him on the cheap and then uh if we have to just uh, tag him for a year or offer him a relatively cheap deal i think it's something we still do yeah, I mean, I agree with you on Najoku. I think that he is, he has the potential, you know, to, he has the athletic ability and the potential to replace Gronk um, as one of the greatest, you know, great tight ends in, in the league, you know, in future years. I think that his blocking has come a long way. And I love seeing a catching tight end that is committed to being a better blocker. Cause I think a lot of them are just like, you know, that's not what I get paid for. So I'm not going to learn it. And I'm not going to try. Um, and I, I think it's been great to watch him improve in that area. Uh, he's definitely got to spend some time on that jugs machine though, man. He's got to, you can't start running with that, you know, those gazelle legs before you catch the ball. Yeah. He definitely needs to start being a better catcher. What's his, any idea of his stats on catching Jack? It's catching stats. Yeah. No, I've got no idea. I'm trying to look up his uh, yards after the catch from college. But I can't appear to uh, find it. And uh, he's got the jump as well. Obviously, if the ball's up in the air, he's a physical freak to the height he can uh, jump. I don't think I'm going to find it. I might try edit it in. Depends how. But we've got uh, Seth Devalve. He's a, a great second uh, tight end. He, he's a move tight end. That's okay. He's not a. Uh, that level of your Gasekis, your Inchokus, your they're, they're freaks. They're, it's nothing. Is, yeah, he's Mike Gasecki is a total freak. I do think that self Seth Devalve is going to be a serviceable second tight end, um, and I'm glad that they, you know, they didn't get rid of him. And I'm glad it looks like, um, you know, he's going to be able to play this season and, and not be injured. Hopefully, it'll it'll stay that way. But. Um, but yeah, I mean, man, Gordon and Najoku in the end zone on toss-up balls at the same time just sounds, wow, the possibilities are endless. All right, great. Anything else you want to discuss on tight ends? You happy, Jack? I think that's it. I'll probably slide um, later on in the show and just throw the yards after the catch if I can. I'm going to keep Googling it. Jack, so I'll let you play with your uh, bingo machine and then uh, I'll drop this in later in the show. Jack, you can't win a battle later on. After well, we, Google. We, we, we had a nice discussion. It was just right. the one stat that I'm trying to dig out yards after the catch. You're both far too diplomatic. 
<laughs> you guys need to read never, 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 never over the uh, podcast. Okay, excellent. Let's move on. We've got a lovely gold shining bingo machine here. I'll, I'll turn so you can see it. Oh. So it makes a lot of noise. Oh. Mayfield number six. Oh. Tyrod Taylor to throw how many yards? What's your prediction on uh, Tyrod Taylor this year to throw how many yards? For the whole season? Whole season, yeah. Oh, man, I don't know. There are too many factors that play into that, right? I mean, there's whether or not he ends up even playing the entire season. There's whether or not, you know, they decide to pull him out at the end of games if they're getting blown out or, I mean, in the miraculous situation in which we're blowing someone out. Um, I, I just don't even know how you make that prediction, um, not knowing, you know, what his game time is going to look like. And then, you know, he can have games where, you know, we saw it in the preseason and we've seen it in his career before. He can have games where he tosses the ball a lot if he feels confident in his receivers and he's getting the ball out fast that day. And then he can have games like last Sunday where he doesn't throw it hardly at all and it's sad. I don't know. I don't have an answer for it. Let's take it one step backwards then. How much do you think uh, Mayfield will play this season? Truthfully, I, I hope that we don't see him unless we are blowing someone out or getting blown out. Um, and that's solely from a, you know, kind of protecting your asset standpoint. Um, and it's also with the hope that we're not doing so poorly in the win-loss record by the end of the season that, you know, it's worth just throwing him out there and letting him take some meaningless games. Um, I mean, I guess in that situation, I, I probably wouldn't be opposed to it, you know, but I hope we're in a position where it's worth it to keep pursuing wins and, and Tyrod stays the starter. Okay, great. So we're hoping that he starts 16 of the games of the season. I'm sorry? So we're hoping that he starts 16 of the games. <laughs> Mayfield or Tyrod? Tyrod. Yeah, I'm hoping. And how much do you think you throw average a game? Average yardage per game? Yeah. I don't know. How many yards did he have this past week? Jack, come on, mate. It's your moment. 197 off the top of my head. That many? Yeah. Yeah. It's about all. I'm really, I don't think it would be off to say I don't see him really averaging more than – 250 yards a game. Right, calculator. You really need a calculator for 250 times 16, Paul. Right, times by four times. 4,000. Is that right? Yeah. So you, 4,000. That's a big call. Well, you, you did the math, stop me. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Okay, next question. Hold on, just before we go to the next question, I found the stats on Inchoku. Calm down, on the old machine. It was 11 yards after the catch in 2016, and uh, over his college career, it was just under 17 yards um, per reception. So, uh, no, he's a freak. He's basically, he is a wide receiver. He's just played on the inside as a giant slot receiver. So, uh, no, let's, let's unleash him. Oh, number five. Hey, it's my favourite question. Hugh Jackson, how many games does he have to win to survive? Five. 
Five games. So if, if we get, win five games this season, he gets one more year. I'm not saying that that's what I would do, but I think that that's what Haslam would do. So how many wins are you protecting, uh, predicting for the Browns for the whole season? Six. Six, okay. So six, he's safe, five, he's out. I think five, he's safe. I'm not, I don't think he necessarily should be safe, um, but I think five, he's safe, and I think they'll get six, and I think we'll get Hugh next year again for better or worse. Well, that's great news because <laughs> we're a pro-Hugh show. It's horrendous <laughs> news. What number do you want Hugh to get for Hugh to keep his job? If Jimmy phones you up and goes, what's the number? What does he need to get? What are you going to say? I would want – I think I would want seven or eight for him to keep his job. Um, but, you know, even more than wins and losses, I'm – consistently concerned about decision making and messaging and consistency and to me you know even if they won seven games I think I'd still be looking at those factors um you know flip side of that is even if they only win four but I saw a big improvement in those areas maybe you know I'd also be okay with that although that might be wishful thinking but I think to me I don't know if wins and losses matters as much as, you know, seeing some changes in, in the way that decisions are made and the planning that goes into them and, and the way that they're articulated both to the team and to, and to the fans. Um, but, you know, I don't control these things, so. But it's, it's one of them, every time either Hugh or Dorsey does a press conference, I feel I just want to, like, hide behind the sofa because I don't know what they mean to say, but it's never what they end up saying. And it just seems to end up confusing everything. So uh, I think they either need to get lessons from uh, Marshawn Lynch, who just sits there and goes, I'm only here so I don't get fined. Or Bill Belichick that just goes, on to next week. And uh, just keep it that simple. All right, you ready for the third, third question? Yep. Oh. Ball number nine. Browns player with the most yards receiving this season. Oh, God, I hope it's Josh Gordon. You're, you're a big Gordon fan, aren't you? I mean, there is not a more talented wide receiver on that team. So if somebody else is getting more receptions, then I want to know what went wrong. I would say the only other alternative that I'd be okay with would be Najoku. Um, but really, in terms of all-purpose yardage, whether it's going long, whether it's, you know, in the flat, in the middle, whether it's in the end zone, I think Gordon has to be one of your primary targets. And so if he's not getting the most receptions slash receiving yards, then something probably went very wrong. He's having a party. That's what went wrong. <laughs> That's also, it's funny, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt and worrying about us throwing the ball to Landry too much and just it being a scheme problem. But I, I do understand that there's the other concern that, you know, he, he won't be able to, to stick with his recovery and, and that he could slip. And that, and that would be, I mean, that would just be unfortunate on so many levels because he just, he seems to be doing so well and you always want to root for someone, not just as a football player, but as a person to really put their life back together. and. And I really hope he can. Yeah, we're both team. Uh, that's one thing we agree on. Yep. We're both uh, Flash uh, fans. Yeah. We just uh, hope that he stays away from the parties because one night out with Galloway, 
um, Gordon, we could suddenly have a very, very thin wide receiver room. Well, I really, I really hope Callaway stays away from, you know, from temptation this season as well. And hopefully it's a situation where, you know, Josh can take on kind of a leadership role and, and in setting an example, you know, also help himself. If Callaway gets Ubers everywhere, I think we'd be quite safe. I just, I don't get why the team hasn't just paid someone 60 grand to just travel around and be there 24-7 with them. Each of them. Just pay 60 grand. The amount you're spending on the team, 60 grand is nothing to Jimmy Haslam. Just pay for him to have a babysitter each. Just get it done. If I get that drink, I'll ask a question. Good, good. And last question. We want to know your very, very, very hot take for the Browns this season. Oh, okay. I think the Browns are going to have at least five Pro Bowlers this season. Whoa! (laughs) Guess what our next question is going to be? (laughs) Yeah, I counted them in my head before I said it, so... Go on then. Name them. Let's go. All right. I want Garrett, obviously. I want Ward. That'd be great. I want Schobert back for his second run. I want Gordon and Njoku. Wow. I'll take that. Be a hell of a year. Probably make the playoffs. I'm sorry? Probably make the playoffs with five Pro Bowlers. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it would be spectacular. You wanted it hot, so I came in as hot as possible. I mean, that's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> best one yet. It is the best one. I'm putting it on par with fighting uh, Greg Williams. and uh, uh, Because that just made me laugh, because it's probably the only one we've had that has nothing to do with on the field. All right, great. And um, where can we find your details, Nicole? Uh, so I'm on Twitter at Browns underscore babe, and you can find me there. Excellent. Uh, so, yeah, so thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, guys. This was a lot of fun. Good, good. Uh, we have a bit of a mixture. I'm more of the uh, sofa fan. You're the uh, go into the detail, the numbers fan. So, um, yeah, it's good. I think it works well. And, yeah, you had some great uh, views and, uh, on that. That was great. Thank you. Yeah, sure. No problem. It's been fun to talk. It's always been fun to interact with you guys on Twitter. So it's fun to kind of take it, take it to the pod. And I look forward to chatting with you guys some more. Have you ever brought your family to Europe? So I've been to Europe a couple times. Um, most recently, a couple years ago, I was in Spain for a couple weeks. Um, and then when I was 18, um, I was in, uh, I did England, Wales and Ireland for a couple weeks. Very nice. Yeah, it was great. I hope to get back. My husband has not been um, to the UK, so I would love to love to bring him over. Well, there's a chance in the next two, three years, the Browns will be coming back to London. So you'll have to bring your uh, family over. Yeah, maybe we can come watch a Browns game. I hear you guys celebrate pretty hard. Yeah, we celebrate before and afterwards. <laughs> well, we start drinking the day before. <laughs> You have to really, you know, just to like prepare yourself for the emotional roller coaster. The huge difference is the time difference. So uh, everything is later here. Yeah. 
See, it's been really nice being in Denver because, you know, the game started at 11 and I'm all wrapped up by bedtime. I don't have to stay up late. So it's one of the nice things about being in, in the mountain time zone. So when the Jets play next Thursday, is it one day? Yeah, one day. So it starts 1.30 a.m. for us. That's rough. That's so we, we're going to do a pre-show and then a post-show. So we do the post-show about 4 o'clock in the morning. It's probably going to be the next day. Yeah, so we do post-show at 4 o'clock in the morning, Jack. And then, um, yeah. <laughs> but Nicole, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you, guys. It's been a blast. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Change is coming. There's change.